Welcome back to Abundant Culture Podcast. Where we dissect the mindsets and tactics of the true beast of business. People like Gary Vee, Grant Cardone, and Warren Buffett. All to create a blueprint to experience life more abundantly. Hey everybody, Joe here. Welcome back to the Abundant Culture Podcast. We're so happy to have you back again today. And the reason why is because we're talking about a subject that is very near and dear to my heart, which is partnerships. Partnerships are excellent because I've built my entire business on partnerships. I would not be where I am today if it weren't for the people that I've partnered with. And the reason why it's so important is because as a business owner, you're not going to be great at everything. Maybe you're going to be good at sales, but not so good at admin work. Maybe you're going to be good at marketing, but not so great at bookkeeping. And the thing about a partnership is you don't have to be. You could partner with somebody who's great at the things that you suck at. So that's why I love partnerships. But a lot of people in America actually do partnerships incorrectly. A lot of times they pick the wrong partner. And sometimes they may even pick the right partner, but they structure the partnership the wrong way from a legal standpoint. So today we're going to be talking with two individuals who are very, very savvy at structuring business partnerships and kind of help you navigate how do I find a partner? When I find a partner, how do I structure the partnership? So get ready to listen to and learn from our two good friends, Mark Hertz and Barb Morgan Browning. So hi, Barb and Mark. This is actually our first time interviewing two people, a partner. Um, so it is really cool to have both of you on at the same time. Um, so we are so excited to talk about partnerships today. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's something that's not talked about enough in business and is probably like the number one most important thing. Um, so before we get into the meat and potatoes of everything, could you tell us how each of you individually got into business before you guys like came together? So I started in a family business. I was raised in a construction company and I, at nine years old, I was working the cash register. And then by 16, I was a service manager and I held a lot of different roles uh, within the business. And then I started selling candy bars uh, for a school fundraiser and sold thousands of them. And I just always had the bug like to be an entrepreneur. And my dad raised me to not work for anybody else. Always work for yourself, build your own dream. And uh, so I missed the whole corporate world thing, but I did become a professor uh, of sociology and really loved it. But I was running businesses in the summer instead of publishing and <laughs> articles and researching, I was, I had a side hustle going. And <laughs> after about 10 years, uh, my husband's like, Hey, maybe you shouldn't be a professor anymore. And everybody's, I was like, well, I went my PhD and everything else. I've got to, got to stick with it. Hmm. Uh, but then I left to, to consult other business owners. So it was a huge step for me. And then I've been a consultant ever since. Wow. And for me, I started off life as a soap opera writer. I went to school. I had a clear idea. Like, I'm going to be a writer. Uh, I got into it. And then that industry contracted. So there was a part where pretty much half of everybody that was working uh, in daytime got fired. And wow. then there was a writer strike immediately afterwards. So I had to really reevaluate what my career choices were. Um, and I had some personal things that, uh, personal connections. That, you know, I was thinking about getting married that kept me in Chicago. So it's like, you know what? I didn't love being a soap opera writer, um, but I want to be here when I get married, when I build a family. 
So I ended up going into the corporate world and I was lucky enough to join a company at a time when they were going through a digital transformation. So they um, had this really big marketing and cataloging operation. And it was essentially, you know, stuck in the 1970s. And they started putting in database publishing and doing all kinds of like variable data printing and stuff like that. So I got to come in and I was at the forefront of that, which means I kind of got to move faster than like the rest of the organization and be really entrepreneurial. I got to build a few of my own teams. I got to wear a, a ton of hats. And then after a few years of doing that, the company downsized. They bought you know, a bunch of subsidiaries and they kind of went through another round of contraction. And I was really frustrated in what I was seeing in the job market in terms of like, well, what's going to let me do all these different th fun things that I like to yeah. do? Yeah. Um, so I said, you know what, I'm going to start my own business. And that's how I ended up meeting Barb. On the same day that he decided he was going to start a business, he looked around for a networking event for business owners, happened to be mine, and he showed up. And I had no idea what he was saying uh, because he was talking in corporate, like KPIs and blah, blah. And I'm like, <laughs> are not going to talk to you. They have no idea what you're going to be talking about in any sense. So yeah. I was like, come back in a week and tell me what you do. And he came back and I'm like, I still don't know what you do. <laughs> speaking in all these acronyms and systems and software and uh, a business owner is never going to hire you ever, uh, especially mm -hmm. on a smaller, me medium sized business. Uh, but then finally I figured out <laughs> in the terms that I could understand. Well, especially learn to speak English, Mark, speak English, come back, we'll talk. So it, <laughs> so it was a journey for yeah. me to figure out what he did. Uh, then he joined uh, a networking group that I was a part of. And we still um, didn't connect or talk that much. Uh, so it was, it was interesting how we got together. Um, I kept thinking, how can I refer him? How can I refer him? And uh, I'm I like, you know what? Thing. How can Barb refer me? How <laughs> 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 can that happen? <laughs> I finally found the right project. And uh, we started working together on projects that worked really well because I focused on operations. And at that time, we focused the majority on marketing. Mm -hmm. And started finding out that marketing and operations are inextricably linked. So if somebody is doing marketing and they're like, I need more clients and I need more clients, but if something structurally is going on on the other side of operations, then there's going to be a problem. We can give you a quick example. We had a business owner who called us, I need more clients. I need a better website. I need SEO. I need social media. And when we got into the business, we realized the other lawyers were at capacity. They were working nights, weekends. They're like, if you get us new clients, we're going to quit. <laughs> it became an operations issue, not a marketing issue. Yeah. Didn't realize. So when somebody would call in, the clerk would take the, do the intake form, give it to the lawyer, the lawyer would throw it on the floor and never call. Mm. There was a revenue stream already in place that they didn't even recognize. What they needed to do is pick up the papers. And so once they realized that, we had to fix that before we ever got to marketing. So we started seeing all this synergy that other business consultants were siloed in marketing or they were si siloed in operations. And we figured out a way to create processes to put it together. And then I was very convinced I didn't want a business partner. I had business partners before. I've had great business partners, but the one before Mark went awful. There were four of us. It burned down. And to having a relationship like that with a business partnership that's not great is super painful. It takes a lot of your energy. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, is the number one reason that businesses don't make it. Number two is that business owners can't get along and they can't work things out. So it's something that's not talked about very often, but it should be because it's what makes or breaks a business. Yeah, and so we um, had been starting to do business together. We were working on pretty much all our projects together. And we had a client that just, the client project just went south. It fell apart and we got screwed out of a lot of money. Wow. <laughs> a ton of money. And there was a whole team of us that lost a lot. Wow. So that's how we, how we bonded is really kind of figuring out how is it that we can, how do we deal with the situation? How can we get paid? How can we, you know, move forward? And through that, I think we realized mm-hmm. that, you know, we had really similar values. Uh, it's great to kind of see somebody in a, in a, in a tough spot in a moment to rest and to know that the other person has your back. Because at that point in time, we didn't know each other really. I mean, we had been working on yeah. projects, but other team members had been there and we had created IP and we were like, wow, that really fit together and that's great. But when we went through something really difficult, we're now talking about a lawsuit that brings somebody together and you really start to find out how people work together. What do they believe? Are they going to go through it or not? And how are they going to talk? And that forced us to communicate very clearly, very effectively, very quickly. And so one day I was like, hey, do you want to be business partners? And he was like, yes. And I didn't even get it out. And I was just like, wait, wait a second. This is a huge decision. I mean, this is money and time and business is a really big deal. Take some time to think about it. And he's like, I'm ready. So we were business partners. I like it. So you didn't even finish the sentence. You were just like, do you want to? And he was like, yes. It was just already there. (laughs) But, you know, he was waiting for me to bring it up for a long time before I ever got to that place. Yeah. And what I really like about you guys. (laughs) He's like, you still ask me first. (laughs) (laughs) What I really like about you guys' story is that, like, I it's that component of you really get to know people in those times of struggle. Um, And I think that is one of the components in business partnerships that are highly, you know, underestimated. And I have partnerships, uh, one partnership in particular, besides this one, where Mm -hmm. like a lot of things did not go well. And we didn't have a lot of things spelled out. But uh, the great, so we got lucky. But I always tell people, I don't want to get lucky in business. I kind of want to be strategic because Mm -hmm. uh, the partner that we had, he, he, you know, he was really good at handling those, you know, struggles and oppositions and things of that nature. And it's been times where, you know, we had to, you know, actually get on the phone and, you know, give some bad news. And he took it very well. And I thought like, man, if this was literally anybody else, <laughs> mm-hmm. this absolutely would not work out. So I, I really like how uh, that time of things not going the correct way actually brought you closer together. And I feel like that's that's when you need a business partner. Yes. It's good to have a business partner <laughs> when everything's good. Yeah. But when things go bad, I feel like that's that's when you really need one and a very good one at that. <laughs> so um, to that point, uh, in you in you guys' opinion, what actually makes a great business partner? Yeah, I mean, I think somebody who will go through it with you. I think that's key. Like, you know, here you want somebody who is going to show up mm-hmm. and uh, be as invested as you are. Uh, you want somebody who who's going to listen and who can 
to help you create that space for that bad news, that bad event to happen. Because when yeah. people go into it, it's like, oh, we're going to do this. It's going to be awesome. We have the best product ever. We have this killer app. and We're going to make so much money. <laughs> uh, but everybody knows, like, it, it, it's a process to get to that, you know, if you get there. So having somebody who, you know, can be there for those bumps along the way and who can let you sort of express what you have to say. Uh, I think about us and when we start building the business and you know, the conversations we were having about structure versus sales or all, all the arguments that we had or when there's a setback or things didn't go quite right. Because we're both very, very driven. Uh, and we both really ex- expect high things of ourselves and, and the business. Mm-hmm. So to be able to, you know, there's a lot of yelling. <laughs> from his side. <laughs> I have to say it was his side. <laughs> but I, I think the key thing is that we made a commitment that we were going to work together. Yeah. And we had from the beginning, if something wasn't going right and we, um, we haven't had to use it yet, but if we needed to, we would go to a therapist or a coach or, yeah a mediator to help us. And thankfully we have been able to work through it, but we had something in place to start with in case something happened. And our partnership has been like that in, in many ways for me, you know, what makes a good partner is being able to say anything, whether it's rational, irrational, fear, joy, you're scared to death to tell them, you know, what you're thinking or where you're mad or resentful or want to change the business or whatever's going on. And I think that's what really works for us is that I can say anything and it's okay. And Mark creates a really good space for that to happen. So the communication is key. We also um, we'll have conversations in the beginning because we're very different. We process very differently. So it was a lot of, you know what I mean? We just like sell over promise. Yeah, we'll have that to you next week. He's like, what? We have to build that from scratch. You know, and I was just saying all this stuff. And he's like, we don't even have this in place. It's, we had a lot of arguments like that in the beginning. Yeah, and yeah. Then like, oh, project plans and then planning stuff out. Thanks for teaching me. So uh, yeah, it was, it was a ride in the beginning. Yeah, I think the thing that's really important about that is those arguments were never personal. They were about the business. So we could be, we could disagree, even disagree strongly without being disagreeable. So Barb Burns like, okay, Mark's upset because he's frustrated about his cash flow, its people, its projects, you know, and even though he's, he's venting, he's still looking to solve it with me and he's not attacking me. It's not a, a personal attack. Yeah. So now like when he does his thing and he's like, and this, and then we have a deadline about that. I just let him go. <laughs> it's kind of like, it's not that I'm not listening. It's just that I'm not listening. So <laughs> I know he's just getting it out. <laughs> So we've learned that about each other. And he knows, by the way, I'm reacting to a certain situation. He knows now how to, to, get, to bring something up and say, hey, I noticed you're doing this, which is your pattern of that. And so, but we work at it consistently to talk and touch base throughout the day. And over time, there's stuff where it's like, you know what? Uh, I know Barb's got it. You know, so it's like that ability to be able to trust the other person to do what they say they're going to do. It's like, hey, I think we should do it this way. And I say, you know, I don't, yeah, I, I don't have to reinvent the wheel. I don't have to put my two cents in. You got it. Yeah. And I, I also think what makes a good partnership is that it, it's a good partnership when you're very different from each other. If you do the same things or you think the same way, it's going to be a struggle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you both code or you both, you've got to have somebody that's good with the business side of it or the sales aspect or 
creating, you know, the, you know, the product, you, you have to really think about all those things together yeah. and what our strengths are, are very different. And so when we solve problems for our clients, we always do it together. So all the meetings were together and the client gets to see us work it out and how we come to an agreement on the solution for the client with them as we're collaborating. And they like that because Mark's coming from a completely different angle. You know, I'll even turn and say, what are you thinking? You know, why are you thinking that way? But then the client gets really happy because it matches. Yeah. yeah. And so. I really like that, um, that you guys are like coming to a solution in front of the client because then it gives like the client that that feeling of like, okay, we're touching like, you know, all sides of the spectrum and this is what we're coming to. It's not just like, okay, this this one right brain person is going to come to a solution. It's like the right and the left side and then, you know, just all over. So it's like a, a holistic solution. Yeah. And I, I think that's what makes uh, partnerships so good is the fact that you said that you you can attack things from, you know, different angles because, it's it's funny because like uh the the ego can be like oh like you know if i had another one of me if i had another partner like myself like mm-hmm. this would happen but then there's days where i was like i i, I don't even know how to do that <laughs> like i don't know what we would what i would do in that situation because i don't do that like that's not my thing and you mentioned before that you've had um, other partnerships that didn't necessarily go as well. Can you kind of explain uh, what made those uh, not so good partnerships or even bad yeah. partnerships? I think a lot of people go into partners with friends oh, and yeah. they don't realize, I mean, they get along really well. They've known each other for a, a long time or coworkers that have worked well together, but they haven't been through the ups and downs of business. So when you have it where people aren't getting paid and you're not getting paid, then that's when you really find out what the partnership is, mm-hmm. um, money's being spent, um, how you're spending your time and all those things will, will come into play. And then you're like, okay, it, it's during the difficult times that we notice that's where you really find out what's going on. Yeah, and, even, partnership. and even with uh, our partnership, the part that brought us together where, it was really easy for us to work was um, sort of the creative aspects of the business. Oh, we've got really cool ideas about how to combine marketing and operations. We, we're having a lot of fun creating exercises. We're having a lot of fun with the, the client stuff. A lot of fun creating uh, the branding, and the marketing campaigns. So that was really easy for us to collaborate around. Mm-hmm. What became more difficult was uh, around the, up around the money side and mm-hmm. our different feelings about money, how we each individually relate to money, how we were bringing that into the business. Um, I think that's something that people really struggle with is they find that piece that they gel on and they kind of move forward with it. But then that financial piece or, you know, talk about risk tolerance. We have different risk tolerances. Yeah. So, you know, the ways in which we react to certain opportunities or certain situations were like, I was like, yeah, I'm like, whoa. <laughs> so he's more risk averse. I'm like, let's do it. <laughs> but that, that caused tension, right? And so yeah. how is it that you have a decision-making process in place to decide what opportunities you take? How is it that you're able to say, well, I feel this way about risk or I feel this way financially because of, you know, this and this, this is my history with money. These are my issues with money. And so it's, it, there's some really deep personal conversations that you have to be able to get into. 
Yeah, I think if you, you were asking before, what makes a great partner, you have to have difficult conversations and have them at the beginning. Mm-hmm. You know, how much, what do you think about vacation time? What do you think about working nights and weekends? You know, what do you think about, you know, childcare? Or what do you think about the money is really huge. And illness and what happens if, you know, one of you separates or how does it affect the business? And we have these conversations up front. And so that's, that really helped us have a strong partnership. If there's something you don't like to talk about, that's what you need to be talking about with your partner. And it's uncomfortable, Jimmy, because you don't talk in your daily life. And a lot of people don't even talk to their significant other about these things or have good relationship with it. And now you have another relationship where you have to do the same thing. Yeah. So. And we talk about money is probably about the most uncomfortable thing you can do. Yeah, for yeah. sure. But, you know, we're skilled at it now, but it was a rough ride in the beginning. Yeah. So, like, how how did you even get comfortable enough to have, like, that, the difficult conversations about money and, like, even, like, conversations that you may be scared to talk about with your spouse, but you have to talk about it with your business partner? Like, yeah. how did you, like, how do you start that? Uh, well, some of it is obviously necessity. Um, but one of the things that I think I really bring to the business, and this is from my creative background, is the ability to lead brainstorming mm-hmm. and to have everybody be able to contribute their ideas in a safe space. Mm-hmm. And that's you, know, you have to have that where it's like, okay, here's the problem that we're having. Here are my ideas. Here are your ideas so that you can, everybody can present where they're coming from. And that kind of brainstorming framework worked really well for us. It was okay, we're just going to kind of dump what's in our heads. I would like to say that I came up with it. I think mean, it was completely him because I hide and run. You know, he'd be like, da, 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 da. I'd be like, I'm out. I'm going to take a walk. You know, I, or, I'm out of the business. I'm running away. You know, and I would just hide and hide and hide. Mm-hmm. And just kept staying strong and say, come back to the conversation, come back to the conversation. So that's something I wasn't really great at was having those type of conversations but he just kept staying strong and saying, come back, sit back down. Come, you know, yeah. it's, it's and he was very, it was very safe for, you know, he created this space, like whatever you say is okay. We're going to get through it. So it wasn't easy, but it, I do have to attribute it to Mark just holding in and staying very patient and not judgmental. Uh, it was much ju- more judgmental in the beginning, but now it's not. <laughs> and he really wants to know why do you feel the way you feel that way? Like, what is your block around? It doesn't have to just, it could be about time. It can be about resources and other people and mm-hmm. disagree on, do we want to take this client or not? And so it's just really communicating is the biggest thing. We just, we have to communicate all day long to stay on the same page. And learning how to do without judgment is important uh, because if you want the other person to open up, you, you have to kind of, okay, how's that we interact with this information as, as information as part of the problem we need to solve. Mm-hmm. Um, and also recognizing that at some point, uh, you may screw up and you're going <laughs> to need your partner. You're going to rely on their ability to uh, have some forbearance, patience, and forgiveness. <laughs> it comes the other way. So, so you're like, yes, I'm doing it because I know it will come back. And, and then that's just the part of, of the partnership. Yeah. I think that's amazing because mm-hmm. I can really start to see how you guys have different personalities yeah but you can blend them in a way that's really complementary for the business and i even going back to your point about you know 
you know, they, you have some consultants that are really good at marketing and then you have the other ones that's really good at operations and just having both in one place, I feel like it's just a beautiful mix because, um, a lot of businesses might struggle at both and not know that they struggle at right. both. They might think they only need one side of it where they really need both. So I think that's a brilliant partnership. And I can even see like the way you handle things, even though it's different, it's good that it's different. Mm-hmm. And I feel like in partnerships, different is good because, you know, I'm different from Jasmine and Jasmine's different from our other partners. And we just all look at things from a totally different standpoint. Um, But a lot of people might be listening to this podcast or watching this video and they might be wondering, okay, how do I go about actually finding a good business partner that is a a decent match for me? So I guess that would be my next question is how do you go about maybe finding one? Is it luck or is it something that you can... (laughs) Some 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 of it's luck. luck. (laughs) It depends. I think to to pick up on what you were saying about having business partners that compliment you. I think the first piece is knowing whether you need a business partner or you need an employee. Because mm-hmm. if some, if you're hiring, if you're bringing somebody in to do the same thing as you, that's probably an employee. Yeah. Huh. Uh, so, and sometimes you'll have a non-technical founder and a technical founder yeah. or somebody that codes and, and does those type of things. And then the non-tech will say, hey, you want to split the business? and be part of the business when, you know, they would have been better off as an employee. But we have many examples where one founder is working all the time around the clock and the other one's still in their job and they won't come over until they have, you know, a W-2 and a full salary. And that that's not business partners. I mean, you, you struggle and survive together. So yeah. there's key things that you want to think about is who are you partnering with? And the biggest thing is to have difficult conversations. It, it, that's how you know. I mean, I encourage people work with people for a while. Really start working on projects together. Work on more projects because you'll see how they get their work done or don't get it done or what they value or don't value. So try it out as as a strategic partner before you make that decision. But I would also recommend go in with somebody who you may not know. You know, sometimes competitors go in together and make the business strong, you know, in their, in their industry. So, you're, you know, keep your eyes open that it's not just, you know, if you're married to someone or your best friend or your college buddy or whatever, be open that there are other people out there who might really be a great fit. I think the, the thing that makes the fit is do you share values? Mm-hmm. Uh, are you aligned in that way? For us, you know, money is not the most important thing. Um, and we have a whole other long list of, you know, here's kind of value-wise what we share. And those conversations really help form the basis for our business, yeah. how we want to do business, but they also underlie the partnership. So if you have partners who aren't aligned value-wise, it's not going to work. It's going to be a struggle. Um, and we make our decision based out of our values. If something happens you know, we'll react and be like, ah, gah, gah, gah. but we go back to our values and say, okay, let's answer this from our values. Mm-hmm. We have this common ground. How do we want to interact, whether it's this staff or an independent contractor or client, how do we want to respond from our values? That's really important. And that's how we run the business and make our decisions because that's our commonality. Yeah. And I think if you're working with folks, let's say you're, you have a friend and you've come up with a great product idea. You're both really excited about it. You're mapping it out. You've been working on it for a few months. And you're like, okay, we're, we could really make something out of this. There's a great upside. 
that's the time to have the equity conversation. And you have that conversation and say, hey, you know, is this 50-50? Is this, you know, 30-70? And it doesn't have to be a, an even split, right? There's some, there's reasons why it might not be. But can you have that conversation honestly, transparently? At the beginning. At the beginning. And do you feel that whatever the breakdown is, do you feel it's fair? Because if you're going into partnership and you don't feel it's fair at that moment, then you have some more talking to do. It's not the time I mean, to get in. We always talk with, and the majority of business uh, owners don't put an operating agreement in place. They don't have agreements with each other like, yeah, yeah, we'll do it once the business is up and running and going. The majority of them do it year one, two, or three. It's never done in the beginning. But if you have somebody you're working with that won't sit down and make a deal with you and make an agreement and talk yeah. about these things, they are not the partner for you. I mean, you have to really lay out what you want and how this is, business is going to work. And if they're not set an operating agreement and how you're going to interact with each other, for us, that's a real big red flag. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, And I want to go back to your point about um, the whether someone should be your partner or an employee. Um, I really, really like that you brought that up because um, I remember we did a podcast maybe like a couple weeks ago with Casey Clark and um, he was going through like the different stages of entrepreneurship and um, like when you should hire like your first employees. Mm-hmm. And he mentioned that the first employee, they should be like kind of entrepreneurial. Um, they should be willing to do pretty much anything you need help with. And they act as if they are a partner. And he did mention that, you know, sometimes uh, you could give them a piece of equity or you could just pay them their salary and hourly, call it a day. Um, so like, I really like that you brought that up because just because someone is doing, you know, work as if it were a partnership, maybe they still should be an employee. They're just your first employee. And maybe they can like transition into a partner later on if it looks, you know, good down the future. Maybe it just isn't time right now. So I I just absolutely love that you brought that up. And that one of my partnerships was that way. It was an employee and we worked together and then he became a manager and then just kept having conversations. Then we start solving things together. And I'm like, Hey, you want to be a partner in this business? So it just naturally flowed after a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, then there are other ones where people feel like they have to give a part of it. And that first employee sometimes feels like the business should be theirs. And there's a lot of relationships that break at that point because the person's like, I never said you were going to own the business, but they rely on them that way. And it's difficult because a business owner is isolated and you do rely on your employees, probably not in the way that you should to <laughs> without that equity because you're leaning on them so much. Uh, but without them having that agreement or understanding can cause a lot of problems. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And kind of my opinion, and I don't know if you guys share the same opinion, but uh, the way I kind of think about it is if uh, if you have to clock out, <laughs> you're, you, you probably aren't the best partner for me. Right. I need somebody who like they don't have to clock out regardless of like what's going on. And uh, that's why I think our partnership works so well, because like, you know, 
we don't really clock in at clock out. We, you know, we we do what really needs to be done. Like in he the talks to me about business, like at the movies. Like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's during like the commercial, not the preview, but like the commercial. Like, like, like commercial not during the whole movie. Yeah, not during the whole movie. That that's just rude. That's wrong. Well, it is true. Our you know, we're business partners. And so if there's something at night or on the weekend or that we see or comes up, or a proposal comes up, you know, and it'll come in the weekend, we have to talk, you yeah. know, we want to, and we're always talking about business. I mean, that's we eat, sleep, yeah. eat, sleep business. On the flip side, uh, we both have young kids. So we also, it's like, you know what, I'm going to go to the assembly. I'm going to go to this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to volunteer at the school. So we also make sure that we have time yeah. to do those things. And Absolutely. that's a cover for the other when those times come. Definitely. Another question question uh, we had is, and this is a mistake that we made. And like I said, we got lucky um, because of just <laughs> the personality of the guy. But um, like I said, if it hadn't been anybody else, man, I, I got blessed so much on that one. But um, I was wondering if... Um, there should always be kind of like a buyout agreement or uh, when it comes to partnerships, or is there ever a time where it should be kind of open-ended? And I think I know your answer, but I kind of want you to explain, expand yeah, on yeah. it a little bit. Yeah, so I think the answer is yes. Um, you have to have one. You have to have one. I think that the important thing to realize uh, is that the end of your business may not be the end of your partnership. Mm. So for us, pretty soon we started, uh, once we started One Complete Business and we were, we were you know, in partnership, uh, a couple of weeks in, Barb's like, okay, what's your number? I'm like, what? It's like, if somebody offered us this amount of money, what would it take for you to sell the business? I'm like, are you trying to get rid of me? I can just start it. Yeah, yeah, all kinds of fussy about it. (laughs) I was like, this isn't a big deal. Like, how much money is it going to take for us to get out? He's like, I don't want to talk about that. Yeah, and and he was just really resistant to it. And so as time went on and we talked about things, you know, now he's like, yes, if we hit that number, we're out. Because it's he was worried about everything that we're doing, the partnership ending, the business was just getting started. So once I said, I will never leave the business, I will never sell it. He was like, oh, okay. (laughs) He just flipped completely when I finally gave him what he wanted. He finally just went, oh, and then I said, our partnership doesn't end with this business. We can have lots of different businesses and do lots of different things. And so once he had that, he was like, oh, I see. Because for me, businesses are always built for sale. You don't start a business and let it's built for sale. Or if it's a nonprofit, it's being built to go to another nonprofit. Yeah. So for me, it's just really important to have that exit plan. But things happen in people's lives. There's different, different events will happen to your partner. And it's important, you know, Mark and I talked about health and illness. Like what happens if one of us gets sick? Mm-hmm. What happens, you know, if, if we have a major life transition, do we have the opportunity to get out or not? And we went through a lot of different scenarios of life stages that could occur that might affect the business and the partnership. So now if it happens, we're set and we're ready. It's not going to be a shock. You know, we have business partners that we've worked with and one of the partners dies suddenly. And then the business just unravels because it's, you know, it's just such a significant thing. And the partnership was so strong. 
you know, we've worked really hard to plan for that not to happen. Not saying that wouldn't rattle us, but we have it in place that the business will go on and that Mark or I will get the support that we need to, to keep the business going. Yeah. And I, and I really like how you, you talked about a business is, should be made in order to be able to sell it one day down the road, Mm -hmm. because I feel like so many people, they, they get kind of stuck being almost like self-employed and not necessarily having an asset that they could, you know, market and sell to somebody who wants to, you know, invest and make money with their money. And for me, I, I just seen so many people do that and like really get stuck with something that they now, you know, don't want anymore. And it's hard to put a price on it. It's hard to value it because they didn't have some of those processes in place. Or they can't even pass it down to like their like family because nobody wants it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, for sure. So I, I think that that's wonderful to mm-hmm. to have that conversation up front because I think a lot of people don't necessarily think way that far in advance. Yeah. A lot of people just start a business and you know they're just trying to make some money today. And some people never guess. I like, um, you know, they may never guess that, oh, I was going to sell this one day and now I have to. And, you know, you have to do all of this catch up almost in order to do Mm -hmm. that. So uh, just out of curiosity, when it comes to building a partnership, uh, when you're building a business um, that is one day going to become an asset for either you or somebody else. Um, how do you put these partnership agreements in writing? What is something, uh, some terms that you always include, or is it always up in the air? Like kind of, I just wanted to get your input on what, what it really looks like in writing, because I feel like a lot of people may have partnerships that aren't in writing, but they probably should. The majority. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> start? Okay. Okay. So in terms of an operating agreement, how much each person is going to put in money-wise is going to be listed there. Mm -hmm. How much are they going to be working? Uh, The time and energy, it's just basically laying out what each person is going to bring to the business. This piece, which we mentioned before, is equity. How much equity is each partner getting? And, you know, how are distributions, the profits, you can go through everything, but you have to have that set. Mm-hmm. And you, in terms of equity, you have to think about the business might be, uh, you might get investment someday. And then how are you going to split the pie? You know, who's giving up shares for this? And that's something from the beginning we had to talk about. If we do this project and we take on investors, this is how it's going to change. So it's not something we're trying to figure out when it's happening. Yeah be really overwhelming. The other thing that needs to be in place is how do you make decisions? Sometimes, you know, Mark and I have figured a way to make decisions. Some business partners vote. Some business partners has a third party come in. I mean, it's low for the board, but what works for for, um, the business? My past partners, we voted. That's how, how it came to be. Mark and I have a different thing. We agree. So we keep talking until we come to an agreement of what our decision is going to be. But it's just the style of the partners. But that has to be in the operating agreement is how are you going to solve things? The other thing is, is what happens if a partner wants out? How is the partner being paid out? Are they just getting their original money out? Are they bought out? You know, the business will be in different stages and sometimes you have to do addendums to it as as the business grows because people want different things. and 
uh, and, and want to go in different, you know, different directions. So it's important for the operating agreement to catch that. It's also important to look at what happens if, you know, one of your partners gets divorced because you could have, you know, another business partner coming in based on how they did their agreement. Yeah. Uh, if a, a partner does get sick or dies, does, you know, is this partner responsible for buying out the family and making sure payments go to the children? Mm-hmm. These are really important things to have in place and the operating agreement will catch all those. Yeah. And there's things that you can change over time to go back to your point about addendums. If you, know, you have one partner who's in the business full-time, there's somebody else who's in a full-time job, you know, but the business gets to a point where that person can come over. That could be a time to take a second look at the operating agreement. Yeah. Yeah. You also want to talk about performance and accountability. Uh, what happens if you have you know, a group of partners, people are coming in, you're starting a venture, everything's great, and then somebody's actually not able to do what they said they were going to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, or they're not, at, or they just can't perform at the same level as the rest of the people on the team. How do you deal with that situation? Is you know, How can you manage them, either you know, kind of manage them out if you need yeah. to? Right. And how does that work? Because with the state, um, the state of Illinois, you can't just tell a partner to leave or get out or fire them. Like it, it, it can't happen. It, it's a legal process if it's not easily taken care of. So it's not like you can just get rid of a partner when you want and say we're done and then just figure out how you're going to split or you kick one out of the business. It just it can't happen legally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's really valuable. Yeah. So we touched on so much in this episode. So what is the number one takeaway you like for people to walk away with? Uh, being Choose your business partner wisely. It will be the best decision you make or the worst. And so really take the time to figure it out. Mm-hmm. For sure. That's fine. Uh, talk about your values. Talk about the hard stuff and recognize that you're going to bring all your personal baggage to this partnership into the business. And you're going to have to work some of it out. Like all of it. (laughs) (laughs) It's not some of it. It's the whole bag. (laughs) It's funny that you say that because I I, I was thinking about one of my partners and it hasn't been a problem. uh, But what we didn't know when we actually partner with him is just like how much he travels. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And that is something that I was like, man, like I still would have partnered with them, but it's like, I wish I just would have known in the beginning how much this guy actually likes to right. be out there, not only out the state, out the country. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and right. It's, and it's like that that's a personal thing that like when you're a young entrepreneur and probably don't know any better that you know, like, I don't care how much he travels, like, you know, that's his business. But It's when he travels and you need him to either wire some funds or Mm -hmm. traveling and you need him to look over an agreement and the place doesn't have good Wi-Fi. Those could end up, you know, actually being problems and they're problems that you can work around. But it's just so good to really know those up front. And those are really personal things. Mm -hmm. Um, So you're on the Abundant Culture podcast and we're all about, you know, spreading abundance and you know, many, many different ways. And one thing I like to ask all of my guests is, uh, what are the ways in which you like to actually spread abundance? I think for us is we help people actualize their purpose. We help them figure out how can they make money 
and be happy at what they do. For us, that is abundance and in a significant way. You know, we believe in the flow of it coming around and going out and then and having that connection is really important to us. Yeah. We also give back. So we're working with SBAC Empower. So we're sharing our templates with them so that they can share it with um, their business owners and their mentees. We do mentoring for business owners in disadvantaged communities. Uh, and we also, uh, equity is inequality and inclusion are some of our core values. So uh, we try and reflect that in you know, who do we look for as clients, who do we look for as strategic partners, and uh, how do we do our networking? So we started an inclusive networking event to really bring people together that don't necessarily have a seat at the table because of the biases in our culture, mm -hmm. a stronger alternative network. Because we really believe that everyone should have the ability to be prosperous. Um, oh, yes. And it's not only in money, it's time and talent and all those things and the connections that take place. Yeah, absolutely. I really love it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so for the person that has more questions about like, maybe if they want your opinion, like, do you think this is a good partner? Or maybe they want some business consulting, they want more help in the business. Um, maybe they just think you guys are really cool and just want to be friends with you. <laughs> get into contact with you. So there's, there's a few ways. I mean, we're clearly on, on LinkedIn. You can find us there. Uh, it's a great way to message us. Check out our website. It's uh, 1C Business. That's O-N-E, the letter C is in Chicago, business.com. Uh, there you'll be able to see about our consulting. You'll have an idea of kind of what it is that we do. And you'll also be able to check out our free podcast, One Complete Podcast. And so and we have a contact form. There's all kinds of ways to get in touch with us. Amazing. Awesome. <laughs> well, I really appreciate you all coming on to the Abundant Culture Podcast. You provided massive value for our audience today and even for us, honestly. And we really appreciate you being on. And you never know, I might ask you for a sequel one day. So That's right. <laughs> well, we were thrilled to be on. We were really glad Thank to you. you. Thank you so much. Awesome. You guys have a great day. Thanks, you take too. Care. So that's all we have for today, folks. I hope you got as much value out of this as we did. Keep in mind, the only way we can improve is through constructive feedback. So remember to rate and review this episode. Also, you are not the only person that needs to know this super valuable information. So be sure to subscribe and share as well. Stay tuned for the next episode. And remember to always spread abundance. Peace.